Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about race, guns, and women, thinking threatens leftists. Black Voices for Trump Advisory Board member Corinne Rankin joins me. Rainbows and sweet cakes and LGBT lies and Trump's religious freedom order. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is going to be, this show today, an impeachment-free zone. We talk about impeachment a lot. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Today, we're going to talk about other things facing America. In the first five today, I call this segment uh, Race, Guns, and Women, Thinking Threatens Leftists. I just think there's a, an amazing spirit emerging in America around the country that is pushing back against the leftist determination to direct people how they must think. It is a beautiful thing to behold. To start with, on the subject of race, we have joining us today in just the next segment, a woman who is the founder of the um, Republican Legacy Alliance. Maybe not, we'll get the right name, but Corinne Rankin is joining us. We also have segments I'm going to play in just a moment from the Virginia gun rally. Now, you may have recalled that in Virginia, when this gun rights rally was planned, many people on the left and the governor and the media were claiming that this was really a white supremacist rally. And they called out people ahead of time, had protection ahead of time. And actually what has emerged is a beautiful story about peacefully assembling to uh, redress grievances. They are trying to urge the government of the state of Virginia not to pass these amazingly rigid gun restrictions that are being proposed. But some of the two of the most amazing spokespersons who came out of that are young black Americans. There's just a spirit of people being just trying to tell the American left, we're not going to let you tell us how to think anymore. Backing up from that, I just want to make clear what I'm talking about. Leftists in this country have imposed this tyranny on the American political conversation for decades. Leftists in this country try to tell people, because of the color of your skin, here's how you must think. Because you happen to be a woman, here's how you must think. Because you are Hispanic, here's how you must think. The left tries to impose political tyranny. People call it political correctness, but that's kind of, it's too weak. Political correctness has become kind of a, almost a cutesy expression that people say, well, there's probably a more polite way to say that. It has been political tyranny. And there is just an amazing resurgence of freedom and of people thinking for themselves in this country. I love it. So I want to turn, first of all, uh, talk about the rally in Virginia yesterday. Yesterday, if you watched the show, we played a short clip of a gentleman who attended the rally. He happened to be a black man, but he was there with the people who were arguing against gun restrictions. So he's standing up for the Second Amendment and asked by someone there, why would you be here standing with the Second Amendment advocates? And he just did a great job basically saying, because I believe in the Second Amendment, I support the Second Amendment, I oppose the gun restrictions, and he even went as far as to say that he was very critical of the media in this country trying to portray 
supporters of the Second Amendment as racist. Another clip came from yesterday. I want to quick have Matt, the extremely wonderful producer, play. This is a woman at that same rally on um, Saturday in Virginia. Why do you think it's important for women to exercise the Second Amendment, to have the Second Amendment right? Well, I think it's definitely very important, especially for women, because um, it keeps us safe. I, I think that's fundamental when it comes to that. Um, I feel safe, especially with guns, so yeah. Are you a citizen of Virginia? Yes, yes yeah. I am. So what do you think about the laws that Governor Northam is trying to instate on the citizens here, red flag gun laws, trying to take away assault style weapons? What do you think about um, everything that he's trying to institute? Yeah, I was just talking about my friends um, earlier about this. Um, I think it just starts small and like if we allow this to keep happening, it will progress and progress to the point where um, we won't have our Second Amendment rights and we'll, we'll be infringed when it comes to the government. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, if you're listening to this show uh, on one of the podcast services so you can't see the video, this young woman is a young black woman, very pretty. She has purple hair. She obviously is just there for no other reason than she supports Second Amendment rights. But the theme of today's first five as I wrap it up is this. More and more people in America are recognizing that the left wing of this country has tried very hard for decades to tell people, to assign to people based on their gender, their skin color, their ethnicity, what they must think, how they must vote, the assumption of how you see issues must be along the lines what the left says. I love the idea of people standing up and, and thinking for themselves. With respect, especially to the black community in America, I'll mention we have the Blexit movement rolling on in America. Candace Owens been on this show before, um, and her husband has actually been too, talking about the Blexit movement. There's another one I mentioned recently, Bo Snurdly, who is the call screener for the Rush Limbaugh show. He's formed a new thing called the New Journey Pack, and he, the entire purpose of his pack is to bring the message of conservatism to the black community in America and to support black conservative candidates. So I'm gonna celebrate with you, I hope you celebrate to this idea that is a resurgence of people thinking for themselves in America that is going to help us throw off the tyranny of the American left. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. I mentioned before we started, we had someone joining us on the show today. She's joining us uh, via Skype, so we'll get to see her. She's in California, uh, a young woman named Corinne Rankin, and she is a, uh, I have a long bio of her, but I mostly want her to introduce herself. But I will tell you, she is a, um, let me start with her. She's on the Tr President Trump's board, uh, Black Voices for Trump. She's on the advisory board of Black Voices for Trump. She's also the founder of the Legacy Republican Alliance in California. And so she's a young black woman who has gotten fired up to talk about the importance and the rightness of the GOP message and bringing that message to the black community in California. So I believe we have Corinne available, ready, right? There you are, hi. Hi, thank you for having me. So glad you could join us. Well, I'd love to have you start by telling our listeners, because I did read a bit of your bio, and you actually uh, voted for President Obama in 2008. <laughs> and somewhere, uh, somewhere along the line, and I told you a little email earlier, back in my college and law school days, I voted Democrat also. But so after your uh, 2008, somewhere in there between that and 2012, you changed your mind on your party or your views about the political party. So can you tell us why that happened? What, what drew you to the Republican Party? 
Well, I think what initially started, I, I wasn't drawn to the uh, Republican Party. I was more disenfranchised with the Democrat Party. And I, uh, I thought that uh, Barack Obama, then Senator Obama, who was running for president, I thought that he too felt the disenfranchisement of the Democrat Party and he ran and said all these great things, it's gonna be hope, it's gonna be change, it's gonna be a new day. And I really believed in that. I thought he was going to sort of bring the party back to where it should be or the Democrat Party that I was raised to, to believe I should belong to. And I quickly saw that when he went, once he was elected, he just went right into status quo and there was not going to be any change. Uh, I saw in California, I saw um, our, our then governor, Jerry Brown, just um, start to dismantle our, our criminal justice system, uh, implementing laws that I believed was going to uh, harm our, my community. And so I started to look uh, over the platforms. I started to actually question why am I a Democrat? And the things that I saw my then governor doing and President Obama doing just seemed to not align with what I thought was the Democrat Party. So I went and I looked at their platform and I thought, oh, okay. And then I decided to look, um, look up the Republican Party and look at their platform. And then I remember reading it and basically agreeing with everything it said. And, and after that, <laughs> at that point, I just, I quickly, I just, I clicked my computer off and I thought, oh my God, am I a Republican? <laughs> okay. So I, um, I was sort of in denial for a while about that. Um, but then I just saw things going around in my local community with, you know, our school boards. And I saw that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm steadily, you know, voting yes on measures to spend more money in school to help my children get better education. But then I saw that, you know, the money, uh, the taxes were raised, but the money didn't get to the school. And, you know, I just started to get this feeling that they were not being honest. And so time and time again, I, you know, they just kept proving themselves as being, you know, basically dishonest. They, they, they would say one thing, and then when they get behind closed doors, they, they vote the exact opposite of, of, of the way, what they told you they would do. And so then, you know, I, I went through this process of being, you know, angry with the Democrat Party. I, I, I registered Republican and I thought, you know, I'm just going to jump in and I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, let people know that the Democrat Party is not being honest with us. They are not supporting our communities in general. They're not supporting our school systems. And, you know, once I did that, I found myself pretty much an outcast in my community. But, you know, I, I knew, you know, back in 2009 that I was on the right side of history. And so I, I stuck with it. I love that line, you knew in 2009, the right side of history. So I wanna just tell you, you, first of all, thank you for that summary. And that is just really a, it's a very hard thing, uh, I'm sure for people to do. I will say for some women who've kind of their whole lives been known by their friends and their other women, oh yeah, she's a good Democrat. Very hard for women to tell their friends, actually, you know, I'm not with the Democrat party anymore. And so I know, especially in the black community in America, because of the black vote has gone overwhelmingly to the Democrat party for so long, I'm sure it really was challenging. We've had other guests on the show talking about not really wanting to go home for Thanksgiving dinner and having to face the <laughs> relatives who don't like the idea of them having uh, moved away from the party. So I want to get, I, I noticed one thing in your resume you talked about, or you formed a group called the Legacy Republican Alliance in California. Tell us about that. 
So I got together with my fellow um, uh, California Republicans, Black Republicans, uh, after our last year's uh, February convention. And we kind of found that the, the our state party didn't have resources to outreach to the black community. And we were we were a little uh, disheartened about that. But we decided, you know, let's all get together. Let's form an organization and let's do the outreach ourselves because it is it's important. Uh, and, and it was that important to each one of us that we took this task upon ourselves. So the Legacy Republican Alliance in California was just formed February of 2019. Is that what you're saying? You Actually, it was just formed in, yeah, yeah, about April. February, we got the concept, so it was about April we first really got um, our, our organization moving. But it really evolved very quickly, uh, much faster than I thought. Um, we, you know, get emails in every day. I think that our outreach here in California is working. Um, I'm noticing a shift in the black community to where I wouldn't want to go to Thanksgiving dinners or would never dare say I'm Republican if I'm not ready, you know, for a, a heated back and forth argument about it. Um, and what I'm noticing now is that people are, well, black people are more open to listen to what I'm saying. And not only that, they come and they ask me, they say, why should I be a Republican? Just, I'm all open, I'm, I'm open, I'm ready to hear what you want, what you have to say. Just tell me why, why do you think that I should be a Republican? And then uh, when we start having that conversation, uh, we find that, you know, I find that they agree with me. And then it's, you know, very easy to get them to agree with me. Whereas back in 2015, 2016, and even 2017, um, it was more of an argument. People were closed and they weren't ready to hear anything I had to say. And it's very different now. Very different. Since the time, it sounds like you're saying since President Trump, Trump won his election in 2016, it's become easier for you to talk to the black community in California about opening their hearts to the idea of being Republican. So what is your answer when they say, why should I be Republican? What are, what are the policy points you turn to or the issues you point out to convince them to consider the Republican Party? The economy, mostly economy and education. Um, there's a lot of, uh, of urban you know, black minority communities uh, that just would relish in the idea of school of choice. So that's one of uh, President Trump's policies that, you know, immediately resonates. And also the economy, um, low taxes. I usually lead with low taxes and I, I, I can hook people right away. Uh, here in California, we taxed just in, in absolutely just so high. Everything is high. Our gas prices have, have gone on almost up to five to six dollars at some point. So when I utter the words low taxes, uh, they are all in um and also it's a feeling of safety and people are starting to to recognize that historically they have done better economically when there's been a republican president i can't tell you how many people have said well uh george bush he was racist but you know my money was better when he was in office than when barack obama was in office so now that we have President Trump in office and the economy is just roaring, I mean, people see that. People go from having one job, you know, then they move to another job because the next job's paying more. And, and it's, it shows, people are noticing it. You know, you can, always, you can always get people with, you know, do you wanna do better financially? 
healthy to 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 grow your you know your business um you know have a better lifestyle for your and 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 those are the things that resonate with people immediately and it, it's about safety it's about feeling you know safe and secure in the country and safe and secure in your job and or uh business these are great answers i so appreciate that um i want to actually turn to on this a quick point on this group that you formed the legacy republican alliance you essentially decided because there were not sufficient funds in the california republican party that uh, to help do outreach, to bring the message of the GOP to the black community in California. You formed this, and so you're actually trying to raise money through that organization. Is that right? The right Republican? It's actually leg LegacyRepublicans.org. You're trying to raise money through that in order to fund spending, uh, spreading this message. Is that right? Yes. Well, we do have a PAC that's separate. It's, it's affiliated with our organization, but it is separate. It has a separate board and they do try, they do uh, raise money so that we can, so that they can support candidates. Um, one of our, one of our goals is to get more black people to run for office as Republicans. Uh, school boards uh, are, are, are big, um, hot button for me. I'm, I'm really passionate about getting more black people more with Republican values to serve on their school boards and be more involved in uh, the failing school system that we have here in California, the failing public school system. Uh, yes. uh, the PAC has, you know, they've, um, they've endorsed just a slew of candidates that are running for Congress. Um, there's a lot of black Republicans, uh, ex-military and just coming from business, uh, the, the, the business uh, walk of life. And they've decided to throw their hat in the ring and run as a Republican. And being black, this is it's a, it's a new phenomenon, and we are just embracing it. I, I couldn't be more proud of these individuals for you know stepping up and opting to serve their communities and our country. I love that, and I was going to commend you also because I think a lot of people go along in life and they may conclude at some point, I don't know why I was voting Democrat. I you know I now that yeah. I understand more what they stand for. So all they might do is change their party registration. But you did so much more. You did more than just change I your did. registration, vote differently. You decided this matters so much to me that I'm going to get out there and bring the message of the Republican Party to my community. I, I just really want to commend you for that. And I love your energy uh, and your passion. But I want to ask you one hard question. So what do you do with the people? Because you mentioned earlier where some people will say, well, George Bush was a racist, which I don't agree with. But they say George Bush was a racist, but I was better off. What is your answer to people in the black community who say to you, but isn't President Trump a racist? What is your answer to that? Well, usually we try to stay away from that argument. But when I may have approached with that, I ask them if they think that's a fair assessment. Do they? that it's fair to call someone a Republican. I'm, I'm sorry, it's fair to call someone a racist. Yeah, yep. Um, and usually they say no, and then I ask for an example of why they believe he was racist, and then uh, they usually can't come up with one, or they come up with one that I can dismiss immediately. And then I remind them that, uh, you know, President George Bush was also called a racist. And, you know, I believed it then, I don't believe it anymore. And then, you know, then I remind them what a polarizing word that is, um, the word racist. And especially, you know, here in America with, with black people, 
people or you know minorities in general when you call someone a racist it's it's not fair to that and it's not fair to the black community if you have proof then it, the word should not be used because what black people tend to do is once you and, and and i'm guilty of this also once we hear the word racist we immediately just shut down and we don't want to hear anything else and that's not fair to do that to us and it's not fair to do that to uh, another person could not agree more I want to ask you also about you have uh, on your uh, your I want to mention to our listeners first your Twitter uh, handle is at um, Corinne C O R R I N Rankin R A N K I N LegacyRepublicans.org is your organization uh, they have a pack you heard her mention but the other thing was on your resume which is so interesting is that you are part of Black Voices for Trump part of the advisory board what is that all about. Uh, so that's a coalition um, with the, with President Trump's ca- uh, campaign for 2020, which I am just thrilled that this president has, you know, branched off the coalitions to outreach to minorities. There's a Latinos for Trump, there's Women for Trump, and there's Black Voices for Trump. So I, I, I commend him for doing that. I think that it is something that is historic. Uh, the Republican Party does not traditionally uh, do things like this outreach. So it's it's really important. It's really telling. And I wanted to be involved because I feel like this is a, a real moment in history where we can bring more black people, more minorities over to the Republican Party. I think that there's a segment of the black population that because they have not seen any outreach and because there are you know no visible black people on television in their neighborhoods you know talking about being republican talking about the benefits of being republican they have not seen that in the past so when they hear things like you know republicans are racist and then they don't see any minorities it just contributes to this false narrative so I really commend uh, President Trump for really going out of his way to dispel this negative stereotype and just to 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 put people in the forefront that truly reflect uh, the nature and diversity of our party. Wow, that is a fabulous answer. And I'm thrilled, too, about that. I really am. I, I've often felt it's just so disheartening in America to have one of the two political parties endlessly messaging that the other yeah. party's racist, and, and our party hasn't done a great job defending themselves. Most of the answer on the Republican side is kind of, no, we're not. No, we're not. Don't, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> instead, instead of saying, look like, at prove the it. Yeah. Who, <laughs> you have to say, who else actually, you have? Let's see them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it, you know, especially as people have begun to talk about more, the Democrat Party is the party of Jim Crow, the party of Southern segregation, yeah. the party that formed the Ku Klux Klan, all of the Southern racist elements that were being fought against in the segregation battle, the desegregation battle, were created by Democrats. And somehow that that whole party uh, history is lost. Uh, and it really, in, in great part, is due to better management of the media by the left than, than by our side. But we're fighting back. I love that. So, Corinne, if people want to find you, it's read time. more about you, would you share with us how people can find you? So you can find me on Twitter. Like uh, My Twitter handle is at Corinne Rankin. 
Uh, you can go look me up on my web on our website. It's legacyrepublicans.org. There is a contact section uh, with that's located in our website, so you can submit a contact form, and we will get your message. Uh, we we read them. I read them. A couple of other board members, you know, we take turns reading them. So we're we're very much involved. Um, I you know you you contact us, we respond. Uh, you can contact me on my Instagram. That's also uh, at Corinne Rankin. Uh, everything it's it's very easy to get a hold of me. It's easy to get a hold. We're, we're very accessible. So you know, please, if you're if you're thinking about it, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And those of you who'd love to make a donation, you can donate to your PAC. So to find the PAC, can they just go to your Legacy Republicans? Where do they go to find the pack? Yes, there is a link on the sidebar of the website, and it will link you to the pack site. Okay. Corinne Rankin, it has been so much fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay, we'll be back in touch. Thank you. Okay, I want to mention, but before we close out this segment, I want to mention a couple other things going on. I really meant in the first five of today talking about how there's just a spirit of people speaking up and with a basic message to establishment people to the leftists in this country who've been trying to dictate for decades to people how you must think based on your skin color, your ethnicity, your national origin, or your sex. And I love the spirit in America. People are saying, no, I want you, Mr. or Ms. Candidate, politician, to tell me why what you stand for is correct. I love what brought this woman around because she just, it was real life, real understanding, reading the platforms and recognizing the Democrat Party doesn't follow through on anything they promise. They just keep promising. I want to mention, too, in this kind of this uh, very spirited discussion about uh, the uh, black American community I mentioned before, we brought Corinne Rankin on. We have Candace Owens doing Blexit. We have the uh, movement, the New Journey Pack, by Bo Snur- created by Bo Snurdly, the Rush Limbaugh, real name James Golden. There's also, I've been meaning to mention this on the show for several days, I keep forgetting, there's a great uh, website, and I've mentioned it a long time ago, but it's really kind of taken off recently, the Walk Away campaign, and especially the Walk Away campaign on Facebook. This Walk Away from the Democrat Party, hashtag Walk Away, on, the, uh, on Facebook, it's just called uh, hashtag Walk Away, and if you go to that, you can see individual postings, person after person, telling, honest to goodness, the most heart-wrenching stories, the most war, they, they make you teary, they make you proud, they make you inspired. People saying, I grew up in you know, such and such family, and in my family, everyone was a Democrat, and we were told that Republicans were gonna do bad things, and that what you hear in this, in every testimony after testimony, is the spirit of people thinking for themselves not accepting the narrative that the Democrat media mob puts out there for the American people to accept essentially that because you are a certain, uh, you, you know, you came in a certain package when you were born, you must forever vote with them. It's people who are thinking who are leaving the Democrat party. In fact, the tyrannical, the Democrat, I, I think of what they inflict on America, it's way past political correctness, it's tyrannical, it's tyranny. It is tyranny shutting down political conversation, mocking people who dare disagree with them. And this has this spirit of people just rising up and saying, not listening to you anymore. You have to do a better job selling your arguments. One last point in this segment was there was an an article in the New York Times, I think over the weekend, that was basically saying it's kind of doomsday 
seriously, kind of saying it was kind of doomsday for conservative women, that conservative women's future is bleak. And it kind of is just arguing that, you know, the way of the way of the future of the world is going to be women have to be Democrat, have to be liberal, have to be big government type people. And the Republican women are kind of nothing burgers. Nothing could be further from the truth. On my website, americacanwetalk.org, in addition to links to finding Corinne Rankin, with whom we just spoke, in addition to finding a reference to the other articles, there is a great piece that appeared at the Texas Public Policy Foundation talking about this very idea. It's absurd to be arguing that conservative women are on the decline or facing a bleak future. It's exactly the opposite. People thinking for themselves is what is on the move, on the rise in America, and that brings people around to conservative values because conservative GOP is for thinkers. It's for people who actually reason through the policies to figure out what they will do instead of saluting to the assignment given to them by the left based on their skin color or other uh, characteristics with which they were born they did not choose. Okay, I just, I, I'm very fired up. I love this lady. I'm so happy we, I happen to connect with her. We'll have her on again. But I want to turn now and talk about the, uh, I called it rainbows and sweet cakes, the LGBT. There was a story out of Kentucky and I want to tell the story about a Christian school there, a high school, tell the story, but then get to why these, it really matters to the American political conversation. This is another arena of public policy, another arena of the American political conversation in which the left has tried to establish the rules. The leftists tell you, you must agree with everything the LGBTQ agenda says. You must salute Everyone in the country must go along with whatever the latest LGBTQ demand is, or else you're a hater, intolerant, homophobic, or some other bad name. And this attitude has permeated many schools, many communities, many of the local governments. It's permeated the country. And so the idea of someone standing up for their faith and standing up for what they believe in and want to practice it is harder and harder. But again, this spirit, and I, it, it is tied, in my view, to the Trump presidency, the Trump, the whole Trump coming on board the campaign, winning the presidency, standing up in Washington. His fighting spirit is contagious. It is contagious. More people see, hey, wait, we could stand up too. But the story in Kentucky, very briefly, is there's a private school, uh, a private Christian school named Whitefield Academy. And in this school, they, when you register there, I assume you have to apply and you are accepted, the parents and the student have to sign on saying they understand that in this Whitefield Academy, they follow Christian doctrine. They teach Christianity. They expect conformance with Christian values with Christian morality. So you know when you go there, that's where they are. That's where their head is. And so it's a private school. So there was a young girl who had her birthday on December 30th and her mom got her a birthday cake with a rainbow decoration. I mean, you know, colored frosting and all the colors of the rainbow and the girl sitting there with the birthday cake and she also had a t-shirt on that had a rainbow on it. And so she put this picture of herself with a rainbow cake up on Instagram. Shortly after that, the school emailed the parents, telling the parents that this daughter was expelled. So many people, the mom went to the media 
to complain about the treatment of her daughter by the school, the absurdity, as she was saying, the absurdity of the idea, just because her daughter got a birthday cake with rainbows on it, you know, didn't mean a thing, and she said she even brought the receipt she had with her that she'd taken to the bakery to describe the kind of cake she wanted, and she just said multicolored frosting. I mean, she didn't say rainbow. So, you know, she, this mom, got numerous people in the media sucked in to believe in this story that a Christian school would expel a girl who is, I think, 16 or so, expel a girl from high school because she happened to have a birthday party with a rainbow cake. And of course, you can imagine the outrage and the complaint by people in the mainstream media. This is just as, you know, this is an outrage. This is, you know, the presumption just because she likes rainbows that she, uh, that, that she's in, in, you know, involved in the LGBTQ lifestyle. And even if she were, so what? This is so intolerant. How could the school do this? So fortunately, one reporter dug in to get the whole story. The notice from the school to the mom that was public what was made public by the mom said, based on our October 19th or 17th meeting, whichever it was, you know, and following on, you know, blah, 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 your daughter uh, is, is being expelled. And so, I mean, it was longer than that, but it was very basic. You know, your, your daughter's being expelled based on social media, um, what she posted. I want to tell you, though, what the story is with this young girl. Number one, she posted last year on Instagram. I, I debated putting these pictures up for you because all these pictures are available online. And this is not to, to knock this young girl. Let me make clear why I'm telling you this story. This is not to, to knock this young girl. She's obviously struggling. She, uh, and so what is happening with her? Number one, she had an Instagram posting up first of herself that she, she went to a prom. At, at she, so she had a prom picture of herself dressed as a guy going with a girl. So she's hinting that she's engaging or interested in the LGBT lifestyle, dressed as a guy, as a school dance. She's dressed as a guy, the, the other one's dressed as a girl. Actually, I can't tell which is which, but anyway, it's two girls, one dressed as a guy, one as a girl. And she's actually, she put it on, on Twitter, on um, Instagram, saying this is the, her daughter escorting another girl to the school dance. Another posting, October 16th, the day before the school meeting alerted or mentioned in the school notice. In a video posted, in a video posted on October 16th, one day before the meeting with the school, this girl got on Instagram and decide, described herself as finally coming out. And then a next Instagram post, a little bit shortly later, had another Instagram post involves her and she put the term, I'm finally getting a GF for a girlfriend. So she's posting, signaling that she's involved in the uh, LGBTQ lifestyle. Last one, she has a post of herself with another girl, and the, the kind of, it's a dark picture, you can't really see the face as well, but it says another post from December um, suggesting that she slept with her girlfriend. So the caption she has in this picture of herself with this other girl is, but I was the one in her bed. And then they have one last one of her tossing her Bible into the clothes dryer, like a, you know, washer dryer into the clothes dryer. I, I don't know, she's calling the Bible all wet. I don't know what her point was. But the point in telling you the story is this. I think these kind of stories matter in the American political conversation and really in the claiming, the reclaiming of the right of the Christian faith in this country to not just believe in the abstract and what they believe, but to practice their faith. Number one, I guess there's two points in the story. Easiest point, 
What a sloppy, lazy, crummy job by all of the media outlets that just went with the mother's story and did not go find out the story themselves. The media all ran with a story propped up by the mother that, you know, the school went wild, a Christian school irrationally went wild because one picture of a rainbow birthday cake and, you know, she's out. The truth was, the school had, had all students sign and parents sign, they understand Judeo-Christian values uh, form the basis of our education. We insist on compliance with Christian morality. So they understood that in this school's view and in most Christians' view, the support is for traditional marriage and traditional relationships, men and women, boys and girls, not same-sex relationships. This is a foundational aspect of the Christian faith in many churches, along with the Muslim faith, along with the Jewish faith, many other ones. So the media was sloppy to say the least, lazy, and frankly, they love running with a story that fit their narrative. But the second and more important point is, we have gotten to the point in our country where it is a bizarre thing for a private Christian school, or it's characterized as a bizarre thing for a private Christian school to actually say, we mean what we say. We actually have these standards and, and these are what they are. And this young girl had plenty of notice. She had noticed when she signed the form, she had noticed when she went to the meeting with her parents and the school said, we're telling you, we stand for the traditional marriage, traditional men-women relationships. We do not support the LGBTQ choices in life. And she continued to flaunt it, to taunt it. She, you know, I'm gonna tell you folks, if this young girl, and I am, this, as I said, I'm not gonna say her name or her mom's name, because it isn't about them personally, but they did not choose to have this girl live her choices out privately in her personal life. They chose to be very public, very confrontational with the school, almost daring the school to say, yeah, you're not gonna dare kick me out just because I happen to have decided that I wanna have sexual intimacy with another girl. She was daring them, she was taunting them, and the school, not angry, no denouncement, no, no blaster, just said, you know, these are our standards, we've told you, you've choos chosen not to comply, and, and so she's gone, but she was expelled from the school. I will tell you, as this, and, and on the mother in this case, I would think, literally, there are many parents in this country, they're dealing with, the, with how do you deal with your child, who's deciding, who's announcing they are, he or she is, is gay or bisexual or whatever they would be announcing. But you can, as a parent like that, say, look, you know, here's what we believe. We're Christian, we believe in traditional marriage. Or we don't support the LGBTQ lifestyle, but you know, you're, you're coming of age. You understand, daughter, that you can't stay at this Christian school you're at if you choose to, this path. You gotta make a choice. If you wanna go down this path, will have to find you a different school. The mother chose to join the daughter in flaunting the school and in misleading the media, in trying to get media pressure on this school to embarrass them out of asking their daughter to leave the school. The mom's not helping in this situation. And I have tremendous sympathy for her because I do think it's a very challenging situation. The daughter obviously probably wanted to stay at the school. That's why they didn't just move her to a different school when this issue arose. But it also goes to the larger point in this country about how our, our societal 
conversation, our political conversation has been, has morphed and changed and been pressured by this leftist tyranny I was talking about from the beginning of the show that kind of says everybody must accept the LGBTQ lifestyle standards and no one can challenge it. And so the school is being characterized as extreme or harsh or unfair or mean when all they're really saying is, this is what we stand for. This is Christian morality. This is Christian morality from, from the time Christianity began, as I mentioned, and with other religions also. So in this story, the way the media sees it, a Christian school saying, we actually stand for our Christian values is the one to be excoriated and mocked and, and demeaned and, and called heartless. And the idea is that an LGBTQ student should be able to flaunt the school's rules, put pictures up repeatedly on Instagram, daring the school to see them, recognize them, and kind of have to back down and be silent. And the school said, no, we're standing up. So it is a, um, and you know, a, a similar thing in this segment, we only have one minute or two on this segment, but I got to hit one more story, but uh, this ongoing case in Washington also, or actually being sent on back by the Supreme Court, back down to the lower court, involves that, um, the group that you may have heard me mention many times, it was a bakery in Oregon called Sweet Cakes. And Sweet Cakes uh, was, an, was a bakery run by a husband and wife, and basically anyone could come in there, buy anything they want, any product for sale, but the woman who was the baker, the, the owner of the company, along with her husband, she made custom wedding cakes and she declined to make a custom wedding cake for a same-sex wedding because same thing, this, uh, this school is saying in Kentucky that she supports traditional marriage and she did not want to make a cake celebrating and design it. It was an artistic, for her, designing cakes is an artistic expression. She said, I don't want to, I don't want to be forced to express support for same-sex marriage, so I'm going to decline to make the cake. Referred them to some other bakery, happy to make them a cake. This case has been going on for seven years. This couple lost their business over this. Very clear from the fact as you dig in that this couple, this bakery, Sweet Cakes, was set up by this same-sex couple who chose them deliberately to, to force a confrontation, to force litigation, to bring a case, not just in Oregon, but eventually all the way to the Supreme Court. This couple's been driven out there. They they've lost their business. They have a, a huge fine uh, over their head from the Oregon state, whatever their state agency is called there that imposes such fines, 135,000, which they do not have. These are simple people who owned a bakery. But this is the kind of thing that is the result of years and years of leftist pressure on America, leftist, tyrannical, intolerant pressure. Nobody is allowed to think anything that we, the left-wing America, does not agree. Those Christian owners at bakery, they're not allowed to believe in their Christianity. They're not allowed to live out their faith. The same-sex couple cannot possibly be forced to go down the street two doors to a different bakery and get the cake they want. The pressure has been for decades for the Christian faith to back off and honor whatever left-wing America demands the LGBTQ agenda requires. So that case, Sweet Cakes, back down before a lower court. And a final and very related topic today, uh, President Trump, I think it was last Thursday, signed a series of new orders. Or actually, um, he signed a resolution that is going to involve nine different federal agencies passing new rules, all rooted, all rooted in the idea of the 
resurgence of protection, the, the renewal of protection of religious freedom in America. The renewal of the protection of religious freedom. Religious freedom, prayer, has been pummeled out of the public school, out of the public square, out of public meetings by leftists who have no tolerance for genuine Christian faith. So President Trump and another act of just bravery and standing up. And when you think about it for a second, just think about this fact. President Trump, president of a country that's had in its Bill of Rights since it was written, the first and most important right, the protection of religious freedom. But here we are in 2020, President Trump had to sign an order saying, by the way, there really is such a thing as religious freedom. Kids really can pray in school. They had stories of kids. In fact, one of the stories that prompted him to do this order was a story of a kid who in some public school, who was, they have a free period. So in the free period, you can go to the library to read a book. You can go to the lunchroom and, you know, goof around, eat snacks. You can go to a club meeting. This one group of students said, well, we want to go and just pray for our school. They, that's what they want to do in their free period. So they go off to pray for their school, pray during the school day in a private room. And man, they got pummeled. We're told by the head of the school, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. No prayer allowed in public school. Folks, no prayer allowed in public school is not what the Constitution requires. It's what the radical, tyrannical, endlessly driven to more power left has brought to this country, brought us to this stage. So President Trump, is reasserting, just reimagining, but he's reasserting that the First Amendment actually means what it says, that we're going to have religious freedom, tolerance for religion in this country. Of course, immediately after President Trump signed those orders, it was a big, it was a big uh, event in, in the Oval Office in Washington. Um, and, so, and some of the kids who've been the victims of religious discrimination in public schools were there, along with other adults who work in this, you know, in this field of trying to advocate religious freedom. Um, and it was a very, very touching ceremony. Almost immediately afterwards, some of the LGBTQ, um, LGBTQ activists uh, launched off stories all over the place about how President Trump is signaling intolerance of the LGBTQ world. And you, know, you got to just, just think what that may, means before we get to our, our, um, why it matters to you. What the LGBTQ advocates are saying is if kids can pray in public school and hold meetings and stand up for their faith, they, the leftists, are more concerned about the LGBTQ students being uncomfortable than they are with the First Amendment protection for freedom of religion. I'm going to be sure in this country we're not going to have students who are of the LGBTQ persuasion being being attacked by the, it's a it's a false picture the left paints. They try to make it seem like that the entire LGBTQ effort is just they're endlessly the subject of discrimination and everybody's got to step aside and every law steps aside and every potential respect for religion must be abandoned in order to honor, uplift and uphold the LGBTQ lifestyle, advance it force it to be taught to young children, force it to be taught in the public schools. And the president saying, no, actually we have a first amendment and it stands for religious freedom. See right here in, in the first amendment, it says that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It's right there in the constitution. But the left found that reassertion of the primacy of the first amendment to be offensive. This is 
a perfect example of why it was so necessary for President Trump to do what he did. Now, I'll be clear, I think there's enormous struggles people suffer emotionally uh, with respect to they uh, identify themselves as LGBT, uh, struggles they have over sexuality. It's not a simple issue. And, and people are struggle and they mean well and many people who are concerned about their own children. You can have sympathy for your own child. You can have concern about our society and the way we handle people who choose same-sex relationships and the way we, and, you know, we already have same-sex marriage blessed by the Supreme Court. So it's not like they can't live that lifestyle. What you're hearing from the left is it matters far more that people embracing the LGBT lifestyle be given every benefit of the doubt, every deference, priority in whatever they want to do, whatever they want to impose on the rest of us, than it is for the First Amendment to mean what it means. That churches, religions can actually live and practice their belief in what the Bible teaches them. I could go a lot longer, but we are sadly out of time for today. So we're going to turn to talking, as we always do at the close of every show, about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So to our starting our first story, we were talking about uh, race, guns, and women thinking, and I mean this, thinking threatens leftists. Leftists have imposed tyranny on the American political conversation for decades, assigning political beliefs based on sex and race, but their power is fading out. Thinking for yourself is the enemy of the leftists. Virginia gun rights rally was large, peaceful, powerful, and inclusive. A black man and a black woman won the internet with viral rants for gun rights. Blexit, Legacy Republican Alliance, and New Journey, they're all about thinking for yourself. The leftist so-called women's march is declining in attendance and popularity every year because they don't speak for millions of American women. Feminexit is gonna be on the rise. The walkaway movement is urging people to share their stories of waking up to the lies of the left and the goodness of America, but don't get comfy yet. Much more waking up is needed. On rainbows and sweet cakes and the LGBT lies, Whitefield Academy case, the Whitefield Academy case, is a vivid illustration of the constitutional right to practice your religion and the agenda-driven opposition of the leftist mainstream media. A Christian school, Louisville, Kentucky, openly teaches Christian morals and values, no apology, requires parents and students to acknowledge those morals and corresponding discipline. A female student openly and repeatedly defied the school's teachings. The school warns, later a rainbow cake was intentional defiance resulting in expulsion. The media distorts the truth and claims innocent rainbow birthday cake caused expulsion. Christian school was exercising constitutional freedoms. No one's forced to attend it, but those who do must by a abide by the rules they set. And on Trump's religious freedom order, President Trump's courage reaffirming religious freedom in America under First Amendment leftist outrage shows how far we strayed from the Constitution. Leftists defer to and honor the militant LGBT agenda over the rights of religious Americans, and that is offensive to the Constitution. Big leftist money supports their mission. I didn't get to that story, but you can read it on our website. Huge leftist money to support the um, leftist mission on the subject. America is a place of live and let live tolerance because of its Judeo-Christian heritage. It's the leftist militant LGBT agenda that is on the offense to suppress religion. People of faith are finally standing up against it. President Trump is restoring America's values which include freedom of religion. 
And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, right here on America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-